Welcome back to episode 5 of Simply Ask Him Why. This one's titled, I am right and you are wrong. So why are you so offended? I think you probably know where I'm headed with this one. Looking forward to it. So if we're honest with ourselves, since we opened our eyes this morning, something has offended us. We might not have seen it as an offense, but it was certainly within the, uh, well, what I would have done different in that situation is kind of arena. And let's face it, we all have opinions. And most of us believe ours hold merit above and beyond those that we speak to on a daily basis. This is obvious when you overhear or even catch yourself in a conversation where one of the participants speak louder or faster or constantly interrupts the other person mid-sentence. And before I begin this episode, I think it's fair to inform you that the bulk of this, well, all of this, is just my opinion. But in saying that, some of you may agree with me, but many of you will find offense. But remember, it's just an opinion. That result that comes from opinion And people being offended is something that I've learned to embrace, or at least accept, because I'm not looking for only those people who agree with me. Because what a sad world that would be to live in. But today, honestly, it's become the world which we've kind of surrounded ourselves or that we've created for ourselves, sadly. So one of the most important reasons we find ourselves on the negative side of offense is, well, because we're human. Out of the mere survival instincts that we possess, we create this surrounding that provides safety. But as important as safety is, probably because we like the world in which we want to live. We kind of create it in our heads. So I don't suppose there's anything wrong with that aspect, and it really only becomes an issue when someone drops by your house unexpectedly. Maybe later, they comment online, even weeks later, something to the effect of the color that some people You know, the audacity that some people would paint their living rooms or their kitchens that particular color may not even be the color of your living room. But, you know, they may say that they would never be caught with Hobby Lobby stuff on their walls. And then abracadabra, you're suddenly enraged that this person who you considered a friend or at least, you know, someone you know, would publicly call you out. When if the truth be known, this friend or person who stopped by the house likely doesn't recall much that's on your walls, minus a new family portrait you hung since their last visit. But here you are questioning the years or the time that you've known them. And maybe, just maybe, you've already unfollowed or unfriended them on Facebook. But hopefully not. Speaking of social media, many of you might remember a time when our internal thoughts primarily remained inside our heads. They might have been shared at a family meal or a night out with friends, but back then they definitely lacked the punch that they do today. Celebrities 20 years ago had to be interviewed several times before you really knew any of their political or their social beliefs. And now articles by the hundreds are available for consumption. And if that's not enough, never fear. The bigger they get, videos will, when they were 18 years old and had an opinion on something, 
and they'll surface miraculously to let you know who that person used to be because they must still be that same person, correct? Which in turn taints your current opinion somehow. Thankfully, social media did not exist when I was a teen or a young adult. But as much as today's society thinks that this is somehow brand new, the old saying there is nothing new under the sun is very fitting. Sadly, as long as there's been humans on the earth, there's been offense. Words like me and mine and my space and no, not the social media platform showing my age there. My land, my house, my room, my things and my opinion are all part of who we are. Broken people have broken traits. Take the story of Cain and Abel. Abel was killed because Cain believed that God favored the offerings of his brother instead of or over those of which he provided. Most Christian scholars believe that Abel honored God by bringing the firstborn of the sheep as an offering. But Cain, a farmer, only brought forth some of, but not the best of the crops as an offering. So Cain became angry and killed his brother because he was offended. He didn't once stop to think that the value of his offering to God was somehow less than. But all he could see was that his brother seemed more highly favored. But from his actions, he was cursed by God. And so were the yields from the only thing he knew, farming. So his offense and lack of understanding of what was expected caused irreparable harm. But, but, but you might say, I haven't murdered anyone. So it's not the same, right? Now think about that story when applied today. How many of us have found ourselves offended at home or at work or at Walmart or while driving? or even at church. While the home situation has many more personal connotations, take work for instance. You have a duty to the position to which you're employed. There are most often clear expectations, but strife and anger somehow slips through the cracks when we perceive that we're being tasked with something that is not our responsibility. And by us being asked to take this on, we believe that the person whose responsibility the task really belongs to is being favored and somehow getting off easy. I'm as guilty of that as the next person. Take the rules of the road. I've heard it repeated a million times that the left lane is the fast lane. When truth be known, the lane is actually a lane that provides safe navigation on roads that have a lot of right turns or off ramps. Think about it. You're traveling down the road. The car in front of you starts slowing down. Even prematurely, they turn on their signal or around here, maybe not. But you kind of get that they're turning on a road to the right or at least the off ramp. Heaven forbid that you have to slow down. Nope. You have a left lane. You put on your turn signal, you safely merge with the other lane. But from a law enforcement perspective, the belief that the left lane is somehow the fast lane is like Christmas. You're making it far too easy because speeding is speeding and there are there's no permissible lanes provided. Which brings me briefly to the place that I loathe to visit, Walmart. The rules of the road apply here as well. But no one seems to understand that because when walking down the aisles, the right hand is for viewing things on the right side and the left lane, well, the oncoming lane is for viewing things on the left, but it depends on where you're at there, right? It's pretty simple, really, but it's not convenient for most people and doesn't fit into this me world that we live in. No consideration for others, just offense. And I admit that that bothers me every time I go, but church, really? Offense happens at church, the one place where we claim to go each week for peace, tranquility, and a time for us to soak in the goodness of God and from those who believe like we do, right? 
But then we show up with five minutes to spare. I mean, we would have been here sooner, but those drivers in front of us, right? You know, Sunday driving. Don't they know we're in a hurry to worship? Then we get to the parking lot, and it appears that everybody's running late and searching for the closest parking space, of which we kind of find one of those spaces, or at least we fight to get one. Not the one we feel we deserved, based on our attendance and the years we have faithfully served and tithed. So we enter the side door, because we feel that we can slip in unnoticed. But lo and behold, there's like a family reunion happening in the in the hall. And you overhear, you know, it's good to see you, and how's your family been? And you know, the subsequent exchanges of phone numbers and plans to eat after the service. But here you go. Quickly find a seat. Again, not your preference based on the don't they know who I am clause, but the band is four bars into the first Hillsong melody and no time to look angry now. We smile. We raise our hands as if on cue with the E minor transition. And that was a silly musician joke. And act like everything is okay. Even though we're wearing clothing that smells just like every perceived offense we soaked in this morning since we opened up our eyes. The news media, almost all social media platforms, online forums, a lot of literary works, and most anything printed today is based on opinion. You can't go shopping or listen to an advertisement without hearing that the product that they're referring to is somehow the top selling or number one in the nation. Little do you know, it's legal. Perfectly legal for anyone to claim that their product is number one. They don't have to offer any proof that the item is, in fact, the top selling of its kind. But in their opinion, this product is, or at least should be, the top choice for you. Now to the church. One of my criticisms of the modern church is kind of like advertising. We advertise our churches much the same. In the same way, we shelve our denominations or our programs on an end cap for greater attention. But then we get offended when the hip church across town or the new church across town begins to court our former or even current congregants and thus coming full circle from the story of Cain and Abel. Maybe the church across town is somehow providing offerings that are more attractive to people. Maybe, maybe not. But more importantly, maybe they're more acceptable to the God who called them to assemble. We are called to serve and not be served, which is at the very root of offense. When a person focuses on serving God's people, they rarely have time to take in the naysayer comments from those that are somehow set aside from the results of their actions. The topic of offense has been on my heart quite a bit lately, partially because of those like me who, in a very small way me, have been very vocal about the subject of uh, the pornographic books existing in our schools. Without going too deep into the subject, once again, I think there are... uh, a lot better voices than mine speaking publicly on that subject currently. And if you're not currently following Jamie Wyckoff, local conservative school board candidate, I strongly suggest you listen to what he has to say on this topic. He has been on the front lines for a while now. So please find him at jamieforburkkids.com. That's jamieforburkkids.com. Or find him on Facebook under the same title. But with all the good he and others are providing, with the amount of attention they have raised by turning up the volume, the church especially here local, remains oddly silent. Winkler's Grove, near the Hickory Regional Airport, remains one of the only outspoken voices in this fight. But with hundreds of churches here in Burke County alone, where are they? Where are those other churches? I'm not speaking for them, but I'm sure the vast majority of those churches are not exactly for erotic or pornographic literature being provided for our children in public schools here in Burke County, right? But now that the proof has been given... 
or at least the hint that it exists by our local newspapers, where are they? Are we still too busy marketing to the current generation of potential tithers to steer focus on the future of the church? I guess we're now completely swamped with holiday traditionalism, you know, kind of doing plays, scheduling plays, practicing for plays, showing the birth of Christ, who came into a world that sought to dismiss, control, persuade, and skew the message of, and ultimately destroy the one thing that offended them, truth. And without going too in-depth on the topic, for the first time in recorded history, the numbers of people who claim to be a Christian, but admit to not seeing the need for, nor the want for, Attending or belonging to a local church is now below 50%. Church, we own this. We can't blame the world for having a better message. We win this argument hands down. We hold the only message that has ever changed the world. Have we taken our candle and placed it under the bushel in fear that it will be extinguished or put out? Are we called to boldly take our light into the world, even if it offends? Or have we now determined that the light is only bright enough to brighten our own homes, not another's? If so, we have a bigger issue than I fear. As I venture into the coming topics on family and how society and social media seems to be waging a very successful war, I believe the subject of offense is imperative to discuss. From when you conceive... How you conceive, we're talking about babies here. So from when you conceive, how you conceive and the products you use or the ones you refuse to use, the hospitals you choose, the birthing method you choose, maybe maybe you choose a midwife standing near you as you soak in a kid's pool in your own living room or a hospital with a a doctor using a catcher's mitt. Fast forward to a five-year-old in a dance class, not just any dance class though. It has to be the one highly recommended by those whose opinions seem to be popular. Or to the teen, and then on to college. You know, picking out the college that they should attend. You're bound to offend someone. There's no avoiding it. But it's okay, really. Taking a stand on something is better than remaining silent. So church, in a a roundabout way, I'm talking to you. So as I conclude this episode, I'll leave you with some questions. Intentionally offending someone is wrong. We all recognize this. But is it worth our silence on the important topics like our marriages or our children or our faith? Is the fear of offending someone even accidentally worth the results from our seemingly incessant silence as believers? Have we taken the turn the other cheek and the meek will inherit the earth verses so literal that we have turned the message of the Bible into a eunuch? So if you've read your Bible, you kind of know what a eunuch is. It's someone hired to take care of the king's bride. So have we taken the message and turned it into this eunuch? Remember, the bride could still become emotionally attached to to her helper, even if she knew she couldn't become intimate with the helper. Because a bride who doubts her groom's love for her struggles with taking things her spouse says offensively and will even look to the eunuch for attention to hear that she is beautiful, even if she has no expectation of intimacy or bearing a child or something that maybe would sustain the throne that she was given, church. So for what it's worth, my message is long, but rather simple. Burke County Pastors, on the recent subject of books, where is your voice? Are you afraid of offending the 99 while ignoring the one? The children you are sacrificing on this modern-day Moloch temple will soon be rather hard to ignore when your congregations continue to dwindle. Your doors are then shuttered, and pastors kind of flock to an online pulpit, settling for likes and follows instead of lives changed and generations healed. Is this a fair trade for not offending someone's delicate 
sensibilities. So in closing, pastors or just listeners in general, if I've offended you somehow, I would love to know. Please contact me at simplyaskingwhypodcast at gmail.com. That's simplyaskingwhypodcast at gmail.com. Or through my Facebook group, same name, Simply Asking Why. Direct message me. I will pass you my cell phone number and would welcome the opportunity to speak with you to discuss how we, as the hands and feet of Christ, can defeat the spirit of offense and break free from the chains of fear. That seems to be the candle in our stained glass windows these days. Thank you for listening to Simply Asking Why once again. May God bless you as we move further into the holiday season, and I look forward to speaking with you soon.